0: Good morning. How many of you are here this morning? Yeah. All right, thank you for showing up. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, let us know when you get here, because we, uh, we are, we're we wanting to greet you as well. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, it is so good to see you. I know it's one of those cold Sunday mornings out there, and I appreciate you uh, braving the cold to be here and worship with us. Uh, hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in. All the announcements that are there. Uh, are extremely important and are there for your benefit uh, to make sure that you are very uh, well up to date on everything going on. One that I do want to point out is the offering envelopes because I know that uh, that is something that tends to run out about this time of year. And I've even had someone ask me for that and I failed to get it to them. And whoever that was, I apologize. But we do have them up here on the front pew, uh, the boxes of them. You don't have to worry about numbers or anything like that. Just pick up a a box and and that'll be fine. But we do have some uh, up here on the front pew for you if you need to uh, replenish those at this time. And uh, here's all we ask is that if you pick them up, you use them. And I don't mean to write love notes to the person sitting beside of you during church, okay? Uh, But if you you will use them, that'd be great. But we're going to take just a moment to uh, uh, pray together. And uh, as I end our prayer, we are dismissing our children for Children's Church. So as soon as I say amen, uh, we're going to invite all of our kids who are age 3 through 3rd grade uh, to make their way to the very back back there. uh, And then the the workers will be back there to meet you and uh, escort you down to the Children's Church room. Okay? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship together. And Lord, we're mindful that as we gather together today that there are, there are those who would love to be able to be with us today, but they just are not physically able to do so. And we pray for them. We lift them up before you. Lord, let them know that we miss them, that we love them. Uh, and God, I just pray that you'll be at work in their life, in their bodies uh, to enable them to be able to return back at, uh, at the earliest, uh, earliest time. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are in this place with us today, that we have not gathered just as a group of people for a social gathering, but, Lord, we've gathered today as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ that has come together to exalt and magnify the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that is truly our desire today in this place, whether it's through the songs we sing, through our time of fellowship together, through the preaching and teaching of Your Word. Lord, whatever it may entail, we pray that every action we take today will be honoring to You and will bring glory to Your name for truly You are worthy of all honor. We thank You again for this opportunity to worship. Lead us is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our children.
1: Well, as we've come to celebrate communion... This Sunday, let's stand together and offer our praises to the Lamb that we celebrate today.
0: and had to make a bathroom run. That's the way it works sometimes, you know. The bladder wants what the bladder wants. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. You've been so good to us. Lord, we acknowledge that today everything that we call ours is yours. It is gifts from your hands that you have laid into our hands so that it can be used for your glory. So as we reflect on all the gifts that have been given to our church today and over the past week, Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for those who have given so faithfully, and we pray your blessings on those gifts, Lord. We just ask that somewhere, someone is going to come to know Jesus because we were faithful in our giving. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name,
1: amen. Well, as we continue to reflect and remember on the sacrifice our Lord made, let's stand together as we sing again.
0: us, Brandon. Appreciate that so much. Uh, If you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and start making your way to the book of Nehemiah chapter number 2. Nehemiah chapter number 2. I know that there have been some questions asked about uh, our plans moving forward now that we are searching for someone to lead our music. We appreciate Brandon filling in for us and Uh, Right as of right now, the plan is uh, to um, our personnel team is going to be working on uh, finding our next uh, youth pastor. And so they're working on that. And next month that uh, the personnel team will bring to you, the church, uh, a recommendation of some individuals within our church to serve as a music search team. And then that group, once approved by the church, will be tasked with uh, finding that next uh, music person. So that way our personnel is able to continue working on the youth side. We have a designated group working on the music side. Uh, So that's the plan moving forward as of right now. Uh, We do have uh, some guests coming in over the next couple of months that are going to uh, lead us in worship as we uh, put that group of music search people together and they start looking for an interim and all that good stuff so uh, we, we're going to have different faces up here uh, after the month of January from time to time uh, just some individuals that lead worship and are called to be worship leaders that are going to come in and fill in for us uh, for a Sunday here and there so that's where we're going going forward just so that you're up to date and uh, aware of all that's going on behind the scenes. wanted to make sure that you were were in the know. Nehemiah chapter number 2. Nehemiah chapter number 2. I'm just going to read the first four verses to begin with, or actually let's do the first eight verses to begin with, but we're going to be looking at the entire chapter. Here's what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 1, and it came about in the month of Nisan that the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire then the king said to me what would you request so i prayed to the god of heaven i said to the king if it please the king and if your servant has found favor before you send me to judah the the city to the city of my father's tombs that i may be able to rebuild it then the king said to me the queen sitting beside him how long will your journey be and when will you return so it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, If it pleased the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will build." And the king granted them to me, because the good hand of my God was on me. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for this honor and this privilege. Thank you for allowing us to worship you through song, to proclaim with our lips and with our voice your goodness, your majesty, and your glory. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you is our great hope. That without you, Lord, we have no hope. We're, we're hopeless and we are helpless. But through you, through you, Lord Jesus, we have the promise of eternal life and we have the hope of your coming. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray that in these next few moments as we study the life of your servant Nehemiah, that God, you give us that understanding and that wisdom and knowing how... How these things apply to us right here, right now in 2024. How they can be used in our life today just as they were used in the life of Nehemiah to bring about the fulfillment of your great plan and for the discovery of our great purpose. Lord, we love you and we pray for your guidance as our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Nehemiah opens with... Nehemiah hearing about the distress that the inhabitants of Jerusalem are in and immediately in brokenness after hearing this in brokenness he begins to pray and as we looked at in chapter number one he began to confess his sins and the sins of the people of Israel the people of Jerusalem and God begins to renew Nehemiah's vision as he prays because Nehemiah had one question on his heart and his mind about the condition of Jerusalem. What should I do? What's my part? What's God's plan here? And what is my purpose in this? And what does God want me to do about this situation? In chapter 2, it opens with us seeing that Nehemiah is being moved into action. In chapter 1, we were told that he began to submit his prayers and to fast and pray before God in the month of Kislev. But we're also told in chapter 2 that it wasn't until the month of Nisan that he actually spoke to the king. Now what we may not realize is that in between chapter 1 and chapter 2 there are four months there. That's a four month period. So that tells us that Nehemiah fasted and prayed for four months, asking God, What do you want me to do? What is it that is my part? And that's the question we're answering today. What should I do about it? God has Begin to show me why I'm here, which is is to fulfill his purpose and uh, his plan and fulfill my purpose. He's begin to show me that. Now, the next question has to naturally be, logically be, well, what do I do about it? What is my part in this? And I believe that that's truly what Nehemiah prayed for those four months, is that he prayed, Lord, how do you want to use me? in this what what's the purpose behind this so I want to notice three things this morning in chapter number two there's three bold steps that God called Nehemiah to make and he made them and as a result we're going to see later in the book of Nehemiah that that the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt just as God had planned for them to be but what were those first bold three steps in answering what should I do about this, this thing that's burdened that God's placed on my heart? The very first step that he took is by faith he stepped up. We read about that in the first eight verses. That's why I wanted to read those to begin with. After four months of fasting and praying before God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? God began to unfold before Nehemiah a a vision of where he wanted Nehemiah to go and what he wanted Nehemiah to do and how he was going to use Nehemiah to, to make this situation better. For four months he had prayed and fasted. But everything about Nehemiah's conversation with King Artaxerxes in these first eight verses is only a miracle that God could perform. I don't think we fully appreciate and can understand the the significance of these eight verses. Number one, no one just walked into the king's presence unless they were invited in or summoned to be there. No one just went up to the king and started carrying on a conversation. We know that Nehemiah was a a trusted confidant of the king. He was the cup bearer. He's the only thing that stood between the king and, and a coup d'etat. Someone overthrowing the king by poisoning him and, and taking him out and killing him. So he trusted Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew that he had the king's confidence. But still, to go before the king was a very a very bold move. And the fact that the, the king was even concerned about Nehemiah's sadness of heart shows the level of relationship that they had together. Nehemiah was more than just another servant of the court. He was more than just another uh, being or a number among the king's employees. He was someone that the king had a relationship with because he trusted Nehemiah. And the fact that he would even notice that Nehemiah was sadness of heart. And Nehemiah tells us plainly that I've tried so hard not to go in before the king with this, with this down look on my face. Without sadness being so obvious that of the weight that I was under. But for four months he had fasted and prayed. And, and as God was working in Nehemiah's life, he began to do miracles even using a pagan king like Artaxerxes. And the fact that he would just notice his level of sadness showed the level of relationship that they had. Still, what a great step of faith it took for Nehemiah to step up when he went to the king and he actually said to the king, may I go back to Judah? He's asking for a leave of absence. Of course, the king, like any employer would. Should an employee ask for a leave of absence, says, "Well, tell me how long that needs to be. Let's let's put some parameters around this thing and let me think about it." And so Nehemiah, under the the direction of God's plan for Nehemiah's life and God's plan for Jerusalem, he gave him a time frame, and it suited the king. Now let's remember that what we're, who we're talking about here that's wanting to take a leap a, a leave of absence. Nehemiah is not easily replaced. He's the cup bearer for the king. Who else in the kingdom can this king trust enough to bring him his food and to bring him his drink so that he can have confidence that he's not being targeted for assassination? This is not just an easy replacement. It's not like finding someone new to stand by the door or someone new to, to clean the quarters. This is someone who literally is going to have the king's life in their hands. He's not going to be easily replaced. What a miracle it was that this king would say to this Jewish man, I'm going to let you leave for a period of time. That's a miracle, folks. I I don't want us to miss that. That's a miracle that God worked. That's not just, that's not just Nehemiah uh, doing something amazing. That is God working through Nehemiah to accomplish something that was, that was a miracle. Once the king granted that request, the bold step didn't stop because then he goes on to say to the king, can I have a letter of permission? A letter of passage. There's provinces between here and Jerusalem that I've got to go through. And those kings, those governors aren't going to understand. And they're not going to realize why this, this, this group of, of, of prisoners or this group of POWs are going to be marching through their, their region. They're not going to be happy about it, king. I'm going to need something here. I'm going to need a letter from you saying I can do this. Do I have that letter? What a miracle. Don't miss that. It's a miracle because this king is allowing him to do this. By the way, we're talking about an 850 mile trip that was going to take one month to accomplish. So we're not talking about hop a plane and, and get there quickly. We're not. We're not just talking about him giving Nehemiah this permission so that Nehemiah could could take a, a, a caravan of buses to to Jerusalem. 850 miles, mostly by foot, would take a month to travel. There was a lot of land that had to be covered. And in this bold step, he goes to the king and he says, King, not only do I need to go, but I need your help. I I need something from you. A letter that says, you're allowing me to do this. We know that the king grants that letter. And by the way, not only did the king grant that letter he gave him a cohort of his army to escort him in other words the king was saying to nehemiah i'm not going to let you go i'm going to make this a royal mission from my kingdom so that you have with you the protection that you need to pass through these areas. Not only will you have a letter that says that I personally am allowing you to do that, but you've got my men around you. and They, they are the finest. They, they are the top trained. And they're going to travel with you, by the way, Nehemiah. Oh, but the miracle and the bold step doesn't stop there. Not only does he ask the king for a leave of absence, not only does he ask the king for a letter of permission, but then he says, and oh, by the way, before I go, one last thing. I've got to have some materials. I'm, I'm going to have to rebuild the gates and they're, they're made of wood and they're, they're burned and there's no longer anything there that I can salvage. May I have some lumber from your forest, king? Now he's not only asking for the king to sacrifice Nehemiah's presence and protection. Not only now is he giving Nehemiah An opportunity to go and be protected. But now he's going to provide for Nehemiah the resources that are going to be needed to build this wall. This is an amazing step of faith. And again, it is an amazing miracle that we read about in these first eight verses and God honors Nehemiah by moving the heart of a pagan king to grant his request. There's three phrases in those eight verses that if you are one who underlines in your Bible, would you underline these these three phrases? The first one is in, in verse number five. Would you Would you underline, send me to Judah? Because that's the first request, that's the first miracle that we see. If you underline in your Bible, in verse number 7, would you underline these words, Let letters be given me. Would you underline that? Because there again is that second great miracle that God is working. There's that second bold step. And lastly, in verse number 8, would you underline that phrase, And let a letter to Asaph. Because listen, what we're reading in those first eight verses is Nehemiah stepping out on faith to do something that was dangerous. It was uncomfortable. It could have bad consequences. It could go south really quick. The king could say, how dare you come before me with such a request? How dare you ask me for a leave? You know that you work for me. You know that I depend upon you. You know that I am I am looking to you for, your, for protection. How dare you ask me for a leave? How dare you ask me for permission? How dare you ask me for materials? But in Instead, the king said, yes, yes, and yes. What a great miracle. He stepped out on faith. He stepped out on faith. Listen, that's what it takes for miracles to happen. God still works miracles. Do you know that? He still works miracles. He's still a miracle-working God. He is still working in the world around us. He is no less God today than He was in the day of Nehemiah. He is no less able and He's no less willing today than he was in the day of Nehemiah. But when he begins to put that on our heart, when he begins to we begin to fast and pray before God and saying, God, show me your plan. Show me my purpose in that plan. Show me what I'm supposed to do next. I promise you, based on the authority of the Word of God, it will require you to take a bold step of faith. Well, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how that's going to turn out. That's where faith comes in, right? That's where faith comes in. You with me? That's where faith comes in. I have to trust that if God says, this is what I want you to do, I have to trust Him enough. No matter how uncomfortable I may feel, no matter how out of my zone that may be, no matter how impossible I may think it is, it is my duty and my purpose to step out on faith and say, okay God, You've placed it in my heart to do this. I trust you. And I will carry out your plan because that's my purpose. That's the first step that he took. But then there's a second step. By faith he stepped out. But in in step number two, in faith, he faced the opposition. We pick up in verse number nine where he says, then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army and horsemen, and Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite. When they heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. You see, immediately, there, there begin to be some opposition. Now, now, go down to verse number 19. But when Sambalat the Ornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem, oh, by the way, they're growing in opposition. And when Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? One commentator writes these words that when the people of God do the work of God, it will always stir up the enemies of God. When the people of God do the work of God, it will always stir up the enemies of God. And that's what we see happening here. You would think that letter would have been sufficient. The letter that the king by by his own hand has signed, put his seal on it, and you would think that would be sufficient. The presence of the king's army around nehemiah and the group of the remnant that's returning you would think that would be sufficient but even in that the opposition begins to rise sambalat was the governor of samaria Tobiah was an official of ammon and later we meet geshem the chief of the arabs who lived the south of jerusalem these these provinces ruled by by these three men practically surrounded jerusalem on all sides in other words, Nehemiah was going to face opposition from every direction. It wasn't just that he had to defend the north or, or just defend the south, but he had to defend every direction. Every direction there was someone there to oppose him. And notice the way that opposition started in verse number 19. We're told that they began by trying to intimidate him, by mocking him. Their goal was to think Nehemiah was inadequate for the work. Who are you? And what do you think you're doing? Here you are, just a cupbearer. You're not a builder. You're not a, you're not a nobleman. You're, you're not even a governor. And who do you think, what do you think you're going to do? You can't do this, Nehemiah. You can't do this. Who do you think you are? Isn't that the way Satan does? When God tells you that this is what you are to do, He gives you His plan and He shows you your purpose and you start stepping out on faith. Someone somewhere is going to look at you and say, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? You're, 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 you're not, you're not capable. You're not qualified to do that. Who do you think you are? That's what always happens. It it, it never fails because that's the way the enemy works. First, he's going to try to intimidate. And then he begins to question, they begin to question their motives. Because even with the letters from the king, even with the king's army around them, here's what they say, you're doing nothing short of rebelling against our king. How dare you do that? How dare you do that? Guess what? I, I can't help but believe what they did. Now, I don't. I don't have scriptural proof of this, but just knowing people the way I think I know people, I, can I tell you what they what they did? They say I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell on you. You wait till they find out. Oh, I'm telling. I'm telling. You're in trouble now. You wait till I tell. They're not going to like this. When I I'm, I'm going to send. I tell you, I'm sending a letter to the king, I, and, and when he gets it. He's not going to be happy about what you're doing, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is holding the letter up and he goes, but wait, I got his permission right here. That's his signature. That's his seal. These are his men. I don't matter. You just wait. I know what you're up to. Begin to question the motives of Nehemiah. You see, the opposition wants nothing more than for you to start questioning whether you are able to do God's will or not, and then start making you question your own motives for it. I love Nehemiah's response, verse number 20. If you'll allow me to paraphrase that, he says, It's not about me, guys. It's not even about a building project. We're here to serve God. I love that that, that reply. Guys, you don't understand what's going on here. It's bigger than you. It's not about a, it's not about a, a group of people traveling from one city to another. It's not about a, a people whose desire is to rebuild a wall. This is about the God of heaven being glorified through us and being honored in our lives. That's what this is about. You, you're thinking too low guys. You, you're thinking of King Artaxerxes. When we're talking about the king of all kings. We're to, we're, you're, you're talking about a local government. When we're talking about the one who rules the world. You, you're, listen that's what you're talking about. So just know you got to face that opposition. But there's a third step. And I think it's only fitting that this is the third step. As we prepare to celebrate communion together, and that third step was that with faith you got to work as a body. Notice that Nehemiah, in verse seventeen, let's go to verse seventeen. Nehemiah in, in, in the in the verses that that are in between, Nehemiah goes into Jerusalem. He stays there for a few days, and then he makes an inspection of all the damage around the city, and then in verse seventeen he reports to the people of the city. And he said, I said to them, you see the bad situation we're in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates are burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. You see there's something amazing happens in verse 17 and 18 that again if we're not careful we run past it Nehemiah identified as one of them he had been there three days all the all, before this he had spent his lifetime in the in Susa, the, the capital city of the Medes and Persians, he has spent his adult lifehood serving the king as a cupbearer. But he walks into Jerusalem with people that he may have never seen before. People he didn't know very well or didn't know at all. And, and he looked at them and, and as he looked at the walls, he identified with them. And he said, you know what, this is, this is a we thing here. He identified with those individuals he said you see the bad situation we're in let us arise and build so that we may longer be a reproach here's what nehemiah understood it took an army to destroy those walls but it was going to take a body to build it back and so it begins god had given nehemiah the renewed vision and now nehemiah was sharing that vision with everyone else and And yes, serving God is a me thing. It is something you are, as an individual, called to do. But can I tell you something? It's also a we thing. It's an us thing and a we thing. It isn't one person doing, just one person doing everything or a few people doing everything. It is we and us as a body as 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 members of the body of Christ, as as part of His bride. It's an us thing. And Nehemiah understood it. I can't do this by myself. Nehemiah looked at his own qualifications and said, I'm just a cupbearer. I know nothing about rebuilding gates. I know nothing about re- rebuilding walls. And, but, but here's what I can do. I can't allow God to use me to organize all of this. And as He organizes all of this, He'll have the right people in the right place at the right time that can do the right thing, that God's plan will be carried out. God has called His followers to work as a body of believers, to accomplish His will as a body of people. The people could have said, no way, man, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I'm not a, some of them, and, and we'll find this out next week as we, we look through some of these people that are going to be involved. Some of them could have said, well, what? I'm a goldsmith. I don't, I don't build walls. Some of them could have said, wait a minute, I'm not even from Jerusalem. We're going to find out there's actually people from outside of Jerusalem that came in to help build. And they could have said, wait a minute, this, this doesn't affect me. This is, I don't have a dog in this fight. That's not my wall. This, this doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to get involved in that. They could have. But instead, they worked together. And the people said, Let us arise and build. What does all that have to do with you and I in 2024? God is calling you to something right now, He's calling you to something. It, you you may think it's minute and, and unimportant, but He's calling you to that. Or it may look like, man, this is just so big and so so massive. There's no way I can do it. But God's calling you to that. God's calling you to something right now. I, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. But God's calling you to do something right now. It, it, listen, being a follower of Christ is not a spectator sport. It's not something we sit and cheer And watch as others do it. Being a follower of Christ means I have a job to do. That God has a plan and I have a purpose. And my job is to find out what that purpose is and then follow His plan. Every person has a job to do. That's what I love about chapter 3. I'm going to tell you something. When we were dividing this up, I told Brandon, I said, How in the world am I going to preach chapter 3? Just go home and read it. Hard name worked beside hard name who was the son of a hard name who also worked beside the hard, uh, person of a, with a hard name. But God began to unfold this and there's some great commentary that I'm going to share with you next week. And, and, and God began to unfold this for me that look, God recorded these names because those names were important. They each had a job to do. And they did it. You see, you have to work as a body. Nehemiah could have set out building the wall by himself. He wouldn't have got very far. And even if he had completed it, it would have took a long, long time for one man to do it. But with a body, you know what we're going to find out? It took, it took 52 days. 52 days. Because the body worked together. So right now you're being called to do something. And only you know what it is, but God's calling you to do something. So can I encourage you to do as Nehemiah has displayed before us? By faith, step up. But I don't know how to do that, Tommy. Nehemiah didn't know how to build a wall. (laughs) But I don't see how that's going to work. Nehemiah probably didn't have it all figured out either. He just knew he was called to do that. By faith, step up. By faith, step up. Not stand back and sit back. Step up. And in faith, just know there's going to be somebody that don't like what you do. Someone is not going to like what you do. Listen, if Jesus, our Savior, who was perfect in every way, who was God in the flesh, the Son of the living God, couldn't make everyone happy, you're not going to do it either. So Somebody ain't going to like it. I'm going to go ahead and warn you. Somebody's going to be over in the corner going, about you. Somebody's going to hold a gossip session. You're going to be the subject. Go ahead and tell you it's coming. So in faith, understand there's opposition there. You've got to face it. But with faith, join hands with other believers and work as a body. Because whatever it is God's telling you to do, He's got someone standing in the wings to work with you to get it done. Well, I don't know who they are. You won't until you step up. You won't until you step up. But when you step up, you know what you're going to find? Somebody else is going to say, God's been dealing with me about that too. Can I help you with that? Oh, God's been dealing with me about that too. Can can I get in on this? Can can I be a part of that? And suddenly you're going to see God working to to put things together, to the team together, the body together that's going to do what only God could do. But he's going to do it through the body. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our hymn of invitation because this is our our time to prepare hearts for our communion and this is opportunity right here right now while while you're sitting in or standing in in, in the aisle that pew where you are or whether you come and kneel at this altar whatever you choose to do that's 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 you but ask god what am i what am i supposed to do show me your vision give me your plan Show me why I'm here, and then show me what I'm supposed to do. And God, I'm willing to do it. If He's already shown you, then can I tell you something? Today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next Sunday. Today, you need to step up in faith and accept the challenge. Because that's what He wants you to do. Our Father, we thank You that while You can do all things and You have all power and all wisdom and all knowledge, that you can do anything you want to do, Lord. You don't need us to do anything for you. But you want us to do something with you. So you have a plan. And in the, within that plan, there's a place and a purpose for every one of us who are your children, who are your followers. Give us the courage Step up. And Lord, when the opposition comes, and it will, give us the courage to face it. But also, Lord, give us the courage to reach out and grab the hand of our fellow believer. That we walk shoulder to shoulder with them as we work as a body to accomplish your purpose. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We want you to use us. As only you can. You're the one with the plan. You're the one with the vision. You're the one with the purpose. We look to you, O God, for our direction. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to invite our deacons, if they will, to come up. If you'll stay standing for just one second, uh, as our deacons are coming up, uh, we're going to be uh, distributing the the bread and the juice as we have in the past, where we ask you to come forward from the sides and receive the the bread and the cup and then take it back to your seat, and then we'll we'll partake of those together. Uh, So uh, we're going to pray together, and then... uh, will allow you to begin coming up for, uh, to receive your elements. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you again for your word that is truth, that is life, is inerrant, infallible, that is inspired and authoritative. Your word, Lord, that stands alone as the truth that the world needs so desperately. Lord, as we now celebrate the Lord's table, we just pray, God, that you prepare our hearts to receive it, knowing that these things that we will Partake of in these next few moments, Lord, that while they may be simple and common in the world's eyes, that what they represent in the kingdom of God is more precious than anything this world has ever known. So guide us as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask Kevin if he'll come and help me. Guys, if you'll come on up and take your place. this time we want to invite you as you guys take your place if you're on this side if you will make your way around the edge and come up and you can receive uh, the bread and the juice and make your way back to your seat you guys if you'll do the same on this side and everybody can go back down the middle aisle that'll keep us from being so congested this morning we talked about being a body and what that means to be a body and it's the perfect symbol for who we are because the, B- the Bible says that Jesus allowed his body to be broken for us as that perfect sacrifice for our sins as he was having the last supper with his disciples that's what he told them as he break the bread he said, guys, you need to know this that this represents my body, which is broken for you. So believer, celebrate the broken body. And take a knee. The price and the cost of sin. Has always been blood. It was in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. It, it was that the blood of that animal that was shed to provide the covering for them. It was such in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Blood had to be poured out. Had to be used as a means of atonement for the sins. Of God's people and so it is with us today that the only thing that could purchase us from our condemnation the only thing that could cleanse our sin was the blood of Jesus Christ and as he poured the cup he said to them this is my blood which is the new covenant you don't need animals anymore you don't need inferior blood because now The blood of the perfect lamb is being shed on your behalf. So believer, as you take up this cup today, just know that what it represents is the perfect blood of Jesus that was shed so that you, you could be forgiven of your sins. Take it drink. As we prepare to dismiss, We're going to go out singing. I think that's a great way to go out singing, don't you? One of the songs that I think that we sing quite often during communion that fits so well is the chorus to Because He Lives. And so I want to encourage you that in just a moment as we stand together and we sing this chorus together, Because He Lives, that we think of the fact that because of the broken body and because of the blood, and because of the resurrection, we can ha- face tomorrow because He lives. This will be our benediction. I ask you to stand as we sing. Today.